Sutra 15 Unconditioned by time, God is the teacher of even the most ancient teachers. The word that signifies God's totality is the mystic sound of Om. To repeat Om or Om Mani Padme Hom with reflection upon its meaning is an aid. Great spirits have always encountered violent opposition from mediocre minds, said Mr. Kismet. Did you come up with that? Nope, that was Albert Einstein, said Mr. Kismet. What are we doing again? If you understand what you're doing, you're not learning anything, said Mr. Kismet. There was something around the heart, and I could feel it beating as if it was locked behind a brass door. I pictured my heart like a woman within, pounding her fist to get out. Maybe she was stuck somewhere like a fourth floor. And what was it that waited behind the brass door? The pounding that was dying to break out. And I could not help but wonder how one might go up opening the cover over the heart. What does one look like when they have a compassionate heart? I'm in the words business, so we have to take the words lightly. I am a sculptor, a molder of form. In every moment, I shape the idol, but then in front of you, I melt them down. I can rouse a hundred forms and mix them with spirit, but when I look into your face, I want to throw the molds in the fire. You are the beloved, that higher part of ourselves, that our minds keep creating reality. We keep creating models of ourselves, expectations about the world. We create these forms of clay, and we try to bring life into them. But the minute we look directly into the eyes, the forms start to dissolve, and we're left speechless or heartful, said forgiveness. Someone with a compassionate heart is open to the surroundings. They open up to the loving world. A spacious quality of resting in the moment and not having an agenda of how it all goes. The openness that expands into the unknown, a bit like fire or a great light in the night. The heart powers the life of the entire universe, and so the heart full grow like starlight, said Mr. Kismet. Now our tribe by the train had grown to become intriguing. Many beings had come from far and wide. They all carried a deep sense of contemplation, and all it took was a quick glance and I could see wonder in their eyes. All of us would camp near the train. We'd sit around the fire at night. The community grew little by little, and anyone that passed by would stop to wonder about our eccentric tribe. There was plenty to do aboard the train of wonder, but I always looked up at the sky. I began to picture the clouds like old souls who knew the secrets of life after we die. And this horse was intriguing. She was powerful and rare, but it was the wind that had me wondering why she was invisible and so obscure. I would sit beside the train. On Friday mornings, I'd teach a yoga class or two. We'd start by saluting the sun together, and then in the middle of class, all of a sudden, wind horse would come forth and run on through. Rain came to wipe away the pain. Her tears poured into the drains and filled up the city streets. 
Wind Horse would flood the holy city that way. Then when the sun came back out, everyone would be reminded of such grace and peace. And have you ever wondered about the ancient civilizations? Many of their churches and monuments didn't have a roof. Most of them aligned great shrines in line with the constellations. They honored the sun and the moon. They built altars and temples to honor the cosmic directions. And while we camped by the train, we became more and more like that. We were open so that the starlight could shine down. And all night, I'd feel how my heart was ripe and ready to open up. Day by day, I noticed a subtle change. I could tune into Windhorse easily and hear her gallop spontaneously. I did not command this horse, but rather I was aware that she was open and free. But me, why I'd wonder about the purpose of our eccentric train. Windhorse brought us here for a good reason, so what was she trying to explain? Mr. Kismet sat in front of me, and I swear these cats could read my mind. Well, what is it, Mr. Kismet? What's with the twinkle in your eyes? In order to plant the Bodhi, a path needs to be dredged. We could thread Windhorse's reins through the locomotive. That way she'd pull the entire community ahead. It would not be a regular train anymore, but rather this train would become very special. Led by the Divine, the whole locomotive would become a sacred space, reconnected to that which is primeval and quintessential. A union beyond time. Where else would anyone need to go? Home, home, home. Om is all one needs to know, said Mr. Kismet. Well, it sounded like a dang good idea. But what would Windhorse say? She's divine, and I'm a little spirit. Oh, but Windhorse, a new path must be paved. Be brave, she said. And so I climbed upon her back and took the reins for the first time when my mind reframed. The moment I touched her reins, something about all of us had changed. Her reins carried an electric current, and I could hear the voices of everyone who had ever touched the reins before. This was an immediate connection to the source of our spiritual core. The power was immense, but it was not in my control. I began to hear voices, tongues, and see visions. That's when I had to let go. Were these reins like an illusion? Because there was no way I was in control. Rather, all of us were seated upon a saddle, like a flaming jewel. And that's when all of our souls began to shine and glow. Are these reins dangerous? I asked the cats. What's dangerous is when the universe picks you, and you take hold of the magic reins. There's rules to them. You can never give them up. You can never see things as you think they're supposed to be. You see things as they are and you can't force anyone to take them either," said Mr. Kismet. I had just let go of the reins, but I still felt tied into Wind Horse. Even though I didn't have the reins in my hand anymore, I had seen a glimpse of the power of her eternal source. It was beyond human power, and now that I let go, there was a certain onset of fear. This was beyond what I could conceive, and so the part of me which was ruled by the ego wanted to hide or run far away from here. Owning our story can be hard, but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. 
embracing our vulnerabilities is risky, but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love and belonging and joy. These are the experiences that make us the most vulnerable. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light, said forgiveness. And so Windhorse spoke. I grant the reins for a reason, and you'll have to trust me on this. Thread the power into the train, and we'll take it beyond where the human mind could even wish. This is the primal force, which is the essence of life we know as the soul. This is the seer, the self, since all is one, and one is whole. We'll take the train upon new tracks, but we'll need to be totally honest with the individual self. We each carry a unique identity, and this is what each person will identify with. This is an avatar, or an expression of spiritual will, a unique incarnation of divinity that embodies a path where lessons and examples can be instilled. This avatar means descent. It signifies the appearance or incarnation of a powerful deity or spirit on earth. Our soul is making its appearance well known, and with this train, we'll plow a path where the Bodhi can spread and grow. Soon the awakened nature will spread to all. It'll reach the children of life. This train will teach many others how life can be lived when the spiritual ideal is kept in sight. It takes great might to move such a large train, but this mechanical locomotive will be all right. We'll illuminate a path that burns bright among Earth's dark night. My power is of rain and wind, while the Bodhi is planted within the soul. It is the connection to the awakened nature that grows to make all beings whole. Take up my reins, and I promise we'll keep the children of life safe. Take my reins, for this is your duty, destiny, and fate," said Windhorse. We took hold of the reins, and so the cats rejoiced. The, the children, children of, of life will, will be saved. And I could hear what was written upon the scrolls. Unconditioned by time, Windhorse is the teacher of even the most ancient teachers. This teacher is the Holy Spirit, the remover of darkness, and he or she helps you go within to understand yourself. To help any of us, the teacher must know something for himself or herself. But where did Windhorse get this knowledge? There then is a chain of removers of the darkness. But who is it that was first? There may be a hundred and thousands of those who removed the darkness, but there should be a primary one. This is the infinite reservoir of knowledge from which all knowledge came in the beginning. That's why the Holy Spirit, or Windhorse, is the teacher of even the most ancient teachers," said Windhorse. Om ta ta ta. Things as they are can be magic. Embracing that magic brings gentleness, decency, and bravery. Watching the rotting tree trunk, I see it returning to life. Being open to change is the impermanence of each moment. Sacred space can bring us back to the magic of nowness said forgiveness. We must be devoted to serve the Ancient of Days. God is that all-knowing. We must show up and do our spiritual practices if we ever hope to obtain Samadhi. There is a path which is simpler than the other methods, 
just surrender yourself saying, I am thine, all is thine, thy will be done. The moment you have resigned yourself completely, you have transcended your own ego, said Windhorse. So when we try and practice yoga with our egos, I might say, I can concentrate, I can empty my mind. But all these ideas of the I can could become replaced with I can't. We should become completely resigned when we say I can. We are speaking as a part of nature. Once we say I can't do anything, it is you, it is all God, then we have risen above nature. That is a simple and safe shortcut if I can do it. Ultimately, nobody can achieve eternal peace by doing something with the mind which is a part of nature. That supreme joy can only be acquired when you rise above nature by complete surrender. Then you transcend nature and understand God in the transcendental state. Once you transcend, you know you are never involved in nature. Big or small, you are completely pure and free. Then you become one with the transcendent God. In that state, as Jesus said, I and my Father are one. The pure I who is uninvolved and free from nature. That freedom comes once you surrender to God. Union with God is the real yoga. Now you can see the devotional side of religious teachings and yoga. There is little difference between religion and yoga. They are both the relinking back to the divine. Yoga creates union through action, while many other religions find that union with God comes through study, prayer, rituals, and reflection. With the light of yogic understanding, you can walk into even the most difficult corners of the scriptures and understand every religion well," said Windhorse. Sitting upon her saddle, I was perfectly at home, gazing upon the great jewel, home. Now where will we roam? I asked Windhorse. She turned away from the battlefield and went east toward the high mountain peaks. No longer did I question her, but rather as long as we trusted the Holy Spirit, our fortune seemed to increase. I wasn't sure if she winked or blinked, but I caught one eye when I remembered that part of me that had fallen away and died. Windhorse galloped through the mountains and sky, but who was I? The word that expresses us together with God is the mystic sound, Aum. Windhorse paused. Because it is difficult to understand anything without a name, the soul wants to give the supreme force, that ancient of days, a name. Even if God, the Holy Spirit, or Windhorse doesn't have a particular form, there should be a name. But Windhorse is a limited name. God is also limited because the very vibrations of the letters are limited. The soul wants a name that can give an unlimited idea and vibration, which includes all vibrations, sounds, and syllables, because God is like that, infinite. Om, or Aum, is a way of humming, vibration that begins through the mind and rattles the body and heart. The Om is union through body, speech, and mind, while the vibration connects each part. Om includes all that is pure and all that is impure, 
It contains all that is good and all that is bad. Om includes all that is right and wrong, happy and sad. The Om can be split into three letters. Ah, ooh, mm, symbolizing past, present, and future together, said Windhorse. And is it fair to think of the transformation from impurity to purity as a battle? You mean the inner struggle. The battle outside is the battle within. Heaven and hell is the difference between pure spirituality and fires of transformation. You are pure awareness. The seer lives within. You can control how this life goes. That is why my warriors repeat Omane Padme home as they sing, said Windhorse. What's Omane Padme home? Om is totality, as the universe is full. It is all that goes beyond and all that ever comes to grow. Visible and invisible, pure and impure. Om is the entire cosmos and all of the worlds. Mani is the flaming jewel, which is upon my saddle. This jewel is altruism or selfless service, which is the way that the children of life overcome the battle. Edme is a lotus, or the highest wisdom ever made. It is the teachings of the Tao, which is the divine path and the way. Om is the union. It's when altruism and wisdom come together. This interwoven connection in the heart is what saves the world and all its creatures. Omane Pedme Hom is a calling to the soul, which is buried like a seed, clouded by thoughts actions and past deeds, but the soul is hopeful as it is waiting to be freed. The soul is the Bodhi, a seed of wakefulness, which manifests through our form to illuminate our innate divine fullness. If the seed doesn't grow, then that divine spark withers and dies. We are the protectors that must keep this spark alive. I am that spark, the Holy Spirit is the essence of the soul. I will teach you how to stay in the saddle so that you embody the spiritual whole," said Windhorse. Then what is the best way to ride in the saddle? Through service, devotion, and sacrifice, we will venture into supernatural wonder. Fabulous forces are encountered as long as you remain as my rider. It is a mysterious adventure to accept me as your teacher. And so I have the power to bestow boons upon humans and creatures," said Windhorse. So what is your power? My power allows people to discover their true nature, since we are examining what is beyond our reality. God is in fact a symbolic representation of the whole psyche. The larger and more comprehensive identity of the spiritual seer that supplies the strength that the personal ego lacks. My special role in the essential function of this heroic myth is the development of the individual's ego consciousness, which is his or her awareness of his or her own strengths and weaknesses in a manner that will equip them for the strenuous path with which life confronts us all. The last task, of course, is facing death, which is like the breath out," said Windhorse. Then what is our path all about? The spiritual path is about information, 
and that which transcends information, which is wisdom, or in Western words, sanity, which means no longer crazy, when you're no longer fighting with imaginary aspects of the mind, said Windhorse. My grip eased up on the reins, where we stayed quiet for some time. I seemed to be caught in some sort of knot, and I wasn't quite sure how to get realigned. As I searched for answers, there was no perfect answer my mind could figure out, but rather all I found was solitude as I rode upon Windhorse's route. I would watch the mind, sometimes I would hear rhymes, and I would observe what was happening in my head over an extended period of time. I was curious about the thoughts that came up. Did I decide to have these thoughts, or did these thoughts come to me? Where did these thoughts come from? Were they of my making, or did they come from a place I couldn't quite see? Now who made these ideas, and who controls the mind? It appeared as if they were delivered from somewhere else, because it was not I that was responsible for these rhymes. I owe it to something else, because there was something happening that we are witnesses to. Can we be in control of the mind? Is it us who decide how we will proceed upon the journey that we go through? The ride upon Windhorse often appeared like a dream. Sometimes she would take me by surprise, but often it was not quite as it seemed. Occasionally I'd have a premonition, but what could I make of that? Something would arise with synchronistic behavior, and so I classified this as a sign that we were on the right track. The mind was a manifester as to how we could use energy to transform. The ways in which the world was connected to my spirit shocked me because this was not like anything I'd seen before. Was this like deja vu? But how could you describe it? It was shocking and almost alarming, but still I had no reason to fear it. These synchronicities were energy beyond aggression, somehow gentle, but still powerful like a storm. The universe showed us messages, and there in front of me, a situation would arise and transform. But how do I make sense of intuition? It's as if this was a guide sent down from heaven above. Could this intuition come from Windhorse to redirect our path so that the world wasn't so resistant to abundant love? In solitude I find sacred space, and there I observe the intuition. There is magic to the Holy Spirit, and by some miracle it can bring forth a vision into fruition," said Forgiveness. Whoever is delighted by solitude is either a wild beast or a god. Windhorse paused. Lucky for us, I am both. But how can I make sense of the way that nature responds to your presence? Anywhere you run, the storms listen to you. It's as if the clouds, oceans, and air all follow wherever you go through. I am the representation of the forces of nature as conceived by the ancients. There are many revisions of this idea, but the mystery goes on. Many names have come, and many names have gone. I can be thought of like a mirror, and so my presence could be like an honest reflection. You arise with an idea, and so Windhorse can be conjured through various situations and manifestations. Even difficult moments are like entries back into me. Release the burden you carry. 
open up to find me, and I will set you free. The Holy Spirit is always waiting, but sometimes we hold and restrain the power behind our minds. Whatever you're looking for is in front of you, and this moment is what you have come to find. Set your vision upon truth and honor. We have the power to reframe our minds. Do this and watch your entire reality realign. No situation is good or bad. It always just is. Some may be heavier or harder to bear, but each experience reveals ideas and values that define how this world lives. When life is difficult, we must ask ourselves the right questions. We must be brutally honest, and so we must truthfully listen. Instead of asking why a situation is happening to the me, ask, what is this situation trying to teach me? This then becomes the path we walk, which can set us free. May the path lead you to the Holy Spirit, or maybe you will see God differently. Through the intuition is the inner eye from which the soul can see, and this is how you will be set free," said Windhorse. But what if I get lost? What if I lose sight of you? If I tumble off your saddle, how will I find my way back to that which is true? Japa, or repetition. You can repeat prayers, rosaries, Our Father, Hail Mary, Omani Padme Home, and this will be an aid for you. The practice of Japa is a very powerful technique, and it's the easiest, simplest, and best method. Every religion advocates the repetition of God's name, because all the prophets, sages, and saints experienced and understood God's greatness, glory, and power. In the Hindu scriptures, a mystic word, or mantra, is given to the student to repeat. The meaning of the mantra is that which keeps the mind steady and produces the proper effect. Its repetition is called japa. So japa yoga is communion with God through the repetition of a holy name. In the Christian or Catholic religion, you see the japa of Hail Mary practiced with the aid of the rosary. And in the Greek Orthodox Church, I was surprised to see that japa is their constant practice also. They repeat, Lord Jesus, have mercy upon me, continuously. And in the Tibetan Tantric Buddhism, Japa is a predominant practice. We say it is the easiest, because you need not go to a particular place, nor have a particular time for it. It is not somewhere outside you, but always within. Wherever you are, your mantra is with you. Sometimes to worship we need a form, or a picture, or an image and a place to keep it. But in mantra, practice is always in your heart, the most sacred place, because it is your beloved. And that's why your mantra is to be kept sacred and secret. You don't even need to reveal it to others, lest you lose the reverence for it. By repeating it consistently, a part of the mind gets linked to that. It's like going down into a tunnel with a life rope tied around the waist and one end of the rope is fixed to a peg or tree outside the tunnel. Wherever there is any danger, you can just shake the rope and get pulled out. In the same way, a part of your mind is tied to God through your mantra while the other part is engaged in worldly pursuits. 
You dive deep to get all the pearls you want to gather. Name, fame, money, position, friends, or anything you want. You need not stay away from anything as long as you do not lose hold of the rope. Sensible climbers see to that first and even pull it a few times to see whether it is strong enough. Only after making sure do they begin to climb. But alas, many people do not bother about any rope. It is a golden cord between you and God, or the cosmic force. Do not bother about the meaning in the beginning. Let the repetition of mantra become a constant habit. When it becomes a firm habit, then you can think, what am I repeating? Then you will be able to think of the meaning without forgetting the repetition itself because it has already become a habit. Most things happen by habit in our lives. 12 o'clock means lunch. 6 or 7 o'clock means dinner. Just by the clock, things become habits. Because we repeat something so often, it becomes second nature to us. In the same way, God's name can also be mechanically or habitually created in the beginning until finally it absorbs you and you become that. If you repeat, war, 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 one day you will be at war. If you think, money, 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 probably within a week or two, you will be jumping here and there to find cash. Yes, as you think, you become. Knowingly or unknowingly, you absorb the qualities of the thing named. That is why the right name has to be selected. Any word could help you keep the mind focused, but some names might lead you into difficulties later on. A holy name, which will elevate your mind, should be taken as a mantra prayer. For a special benefit, a special mantra is called for, but the basis of them is Om. Just as cotton is the basis for cloth, which is then cut into different designs according to its purpose, be it a pillowcase, a bedsheet, a tablecloth, or a napkin. Om is the basic seed. Now if we reflect on Om, there is a similar word in Christian churches, and it is Amen. If we slow down the word Om, we notice it sounds very similar to Amen. For different purposes, you will use different mantras which are all part of the original cosmic sound vibration of OM or AMEN. You can use the same sound power to bring harm or good. Those people who do voodoo and black magic are also using mantric power. So you can make or break, bless or curse with your words. In fact, at no other time has the power of the word been more exhibited than in this century. Politicians get elected by the power of their words. The power of words can be clearly seen in the present day advertisements. Even a worthless product can be made to seem the best by clever words. So the power of the word can be misused also. That is why before you handle these words, you should have purity of mind. So in Japa, you repeat the word and later on feel the meaning also. Said Windhorse. So when you spell something, you are spelling it. So if someone were to cast a spell, then they are also spelling it? A spell is to write, 
as a spell is to cast something free. We should wonder about the power of words. Just look at how auspicious spelling can be. And if you spell something, then all the spelling comes through the mind. That means that beyond the mind is the speller. We must be aware of the mind. After all, it's how we become aligned. From this practice, all obstacles disappear and simultaneously dawns knowledge of the inner self or the Holy Spirit. You get in tune with the cosmic power. By that tuning, you feel that force in you, absorbed in all those qualities and get the cosmic vision. You can transcend all your limitations and finally become in union with that transcendental reality. Normally, the mind and body limit you. But by holding something infinite, you slowly raise yourself and your vibration from the finite objects that bind you as you transcend them. Through that, you will get rid of all the obstacles and your path will be made easy," said Windhorse.